Welcome to The Griot's Remedy, a book loudly production, part of Pecan Tree Creative Solutions. This is where authors, coaches, and mental health professionals gather around the mic to explore themes brought to life in fictional works. What will they pull out of the bag on this episode? Keep it locked right here to find out. The Griot's Remedy is designed to be an entertaining and insightfully creative exploration of life issues through the lens of characters written in fiction and creative nonfiction stories and excerpts of full versions of scripts written for the stage or film. Thoughts, comments, and observations by the host, coaches, counselors, and therapists are not to be construed as personal advice or direction. Here is your host, author, publisher, and award-winning playwright, E. Claudette Freeman. And we are, in fact, back on the Griot's Remedy with um, episode five. I totally messed up my episode count last time, like guys, but just, you know, I admitted to Renee and Weena that I am numerically challenged. And so now I've just told the world and I feel so much better now that I've released it. (laughs) (laughs) Now that everybody knows I'm numerically challenged. Of course, those who are my friends who will hear that will be like, they don't even know the half of how numerically challenged you really are. But it's a beautiful thing. I, you know, I make up for it in words. How about that? Is that, is that <laughs> that's good. That's I make good. up for it in words. Um, so welcome back, ladies. We are, in fact, in episode five and and um, want to reintroduce the crew. Renee Odrick is a board certified professional life coach, counselor, author, and meditation and mindfulness trainer. She holds an MBA in business management and organization and has over 30 years of experience as a business professional with expertise in relationships training, leadership, caregiving, and organization. She is the CEO of Meditational Moment Incorporated and Meditational Academy, established to counsel, educate, train, and inspire all individuals to incorporate meditation in their lives as a catalyst for God alignment. And you can connect with her at Meditational Moment for bookings and appointments and to connect with her on all of her social media pages there as well. And Weena Wise is a licensed couple and family therapist, certified professional coach, clinical writer, and public speaker in the D.C. metropolitan area. She's the owner of Covenant Counseling and Consulting and Covenant Coaching Academy, with over 15 years of experience helping individuals, couples, and families achieve the personal and relationship results that they desire. You can visit covenanttherapy.com to purchase her in-home session series, schedule an appointment, book Weena for your next event, and also connect with her on social media. Welcome, ladies. Welcome back. How are you? Great. Glad to be back. Happy to be here. Cool. So today, today, we are um, examining uh, an excerpt from a piece called Remembering Papa. This excerpt honors family storytelling and the gatherings that welcome those stories forward. Um, This is a clip of a play staged by the former Heritage Ensemble Theater Company of Richmond, Virginia. Now, because this is a clip of a live um, performance, you'll hear audience reaction and all of that wonderful stuff. So don't let that throw you off. Okay. so the story is about Papa and his adult children, Whipple, Brother Deer and Pammy. Um, And so, like I said, it's a delicate balance of good storytelling vibes while also holding back some emotions and some long-held resentment. Um, and so we'll hear that hopefully come out as as we listen to the excerpt from the live performance. Um, some of the things that we're listening for in here, uh, childhood trauma, um, resentment I mentioned, passive, aggress- passive aggression, 
microaggression, failure to thrive, sibling rivalry, absolutely. Arrested development. I like that term, arrested development. So the cast in this clip are Shalandis Willer-Smith, Tony Q. Cobb, uh, Raheem Laws, and Dante K. Rollerson. I'm hoping I'm saying his name right. And here we go, ladies, with Remembering Papa. Pay me to baby you? 
or for me to finally say, poor women, let me help my little brother. Lord. <laughs> you would never do that, man. Brothers like you worry about them and them only. I've never asked you for anything, not even in high school. And you know, sometimes even now, I think you resent me. What do you want from me, man? Be a man. But by whose message? I am a man. I do what I want. I go where I feel like. I have no responsibilities to anyone. But that's above you, right? Come on, man. Life is more complex than that. You can do something else besides get bailed out all the time, can't you? Yeah, whatever. Still drawing. You always were good. Look, man. I just think you're deliberately not doing anything. Pammy's told me how she tried to convince you to show some of your sketches at the Arsenal's gallery. And you laughed. <laughs> Miss Ann ran into me one day. She wanted to know why you stopped going to classes at community college. Can I ask you something? Saying it was not going to stop. Isn't the attention doing nothing gets you? <laughs> what attention is that? From Penny? Papa? The rest of the family. You let people think you're simple. So that your life moves along easy. <laughs> so let me understand what you're saying. I'm hustling my family. I got a nice little, it takes a thief stand working, right? Basically. You know what your problem is, man? <laughs> Gonna identify a problem with me. Part of you got it? Go to hell, man. You are always more than you were, man. You stand there in your, in your bath loafers, self righteous with your, do something with your life, son, attitude. I embarrass you, man. In high school, you were the same way. You had your clique of Afro sports Negroes who didn't want to be black and didn't want to be Negroes. They were the first African Americans. And not because it paid homage to the heritage or anything, but because it looked good on your college application. And certainly, having a brother that was more concerned with getting some panties wasn't embarrassing to you. But you see, I had no problem telling people you were my brother, man. Principalness, honors class, all that. We played on the same high school football team for two years, and half the team didn't know we were related. Because you made it clear, and your subtleties, you didn't want to let it be known. You won't real then, and you're not real now. You won't give a damn if I work a day in my life. And what bothers you, people that know we're related have the audacity to question you about me. You ought to just tell them the truth. But then again, you've never asked the truth, have you? The truth? What's the truth, man? What's the truth? The truth is, man, your Hollywood leading man lifestyle ain't got a damn thing to do with mine. But I'm tired of you hanging out. Hanging on the pop. You've been raised, boy. So be a man. That's it! Oh, can we just kick back with Papa and have dinner? These two can go 
go about your business. And if I'm talking to you like you a child because you're acting like children, you don't do this, you don't do that. Damn, big baby. Since once again, I got to act like mama here. Let mama teach you an important life lesson. You can love somebody without liking them. <laughs> Pops, I called you, baby girl. You've been listening to everyone for years tell you to get it together. You don't want to, fine. Mm. But I'm tired of worrying about you. Mm. And brother dear, half the time you don't want anything to do with Whipple or Papa, but at least get Whipple this. And when he's not driving Papa crazy, he damn sure is looking out for him. Don't you two understand? You have to love each other. Your brothers, we were raised that way. Liking each other is something totally different. <laughs> put these in the room for me, baby. All right, put your money on the table. Hey, Papa, <laughs> when we get down, I'll get my clippers out of the car and give you a quick cut. Boy, I might have got old, but I am far from seen now. I'm not going to let you cut my hand. Not a way. I sees it. I can't do any worse than your cousin Arthur did that summer. Papa, that was one ugly cut. He had a patch here with a mile on the street. He had what was supposed to be a part here. He didn't have a part on what was supposed to be a crew cut. And Papa wore a different hat every day to be his back. Damn sure did. I hit that boy so hard after he finished with my hat. His mama. <laughs> Mammies had a lot of power with them white folk, so we took it. Hmm. 
Anyway, now they use the disrespect and stuff, though. Anyhow, I get home staggering and carrying on. Cause myself going to sneak through the window. And before I could find something to climb on, that old crazy dog that daddy's got on that. <laughs> Next thing I know, daddy man standing in the door with the shotgun. Somebody around here ought to be glad you hadn't gotten after them with a shotgun. Papa's got the floor holier than thou. Leave well enough alone. I'm maintaining, Pammy. He ain't. Part of me. He's not singing a new song. What's going on now? Nothing, Nothing man. It's your fault. So, Papa, Daddy Man got me the same shotgun in there under the mattress. The same shotgun Daddy Man tried to teach me to shoot, and when I pulled the trigger, BAM! Knocked me from the back door clean under the dining room table. Same one? I believe this is the only one he knew how to use. Now, I see Dad standing there with that gun. I got up that pecan tree so fast. But you see, Daddy Man didn't have his glasses on, so he can, didn't know it was me. And I'm about to tell him because I sure didn't want to get away. Next thing I know, Dad shoot the tree. I just started hollering, Mama, Mama, Mama. <laughs> Mama, come run into the door. Oh, Lord, don't you shoot my baby fool. Travis, Travis, go get your daddy's glasses. Don't shoot my baby fool. Man, put that gun down for you kill your own child. <laughs> sat down in his rock and said, can't be no child of mine up that tree. Because every tail of mine better be in there to sleep. I tell you another thing, woman. If that tail in that tree belongs to me, he better be in that bed sleep. Before Travis get back here with them glasses. Such <laughs> <laughs> so getting to the house, Papa. Man, I dropped out that tree, ran to the side of the house by the woods, and I go through that one day. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna play cards, you gonna draw cartoons, boy. I'm in, man. Put your money up. That's my quarter. Now yeah, you know that quarter ain't got your name. Must we argue over a quarter? And that is remembering Papa. Remembering Papa. So let me give a little setup here um, for this piece. The, the, the dynamic of the family is, is clearly that it's the father and the three children. Um, the mother, his wife, died when when Whipple, the youngest son, was born, soon after he was born. Mm-hmm. So that gives you a little setup there. So this is remembering Papa. So we were the things again, sibling rivalry, arrested development, um, childhood trauma, microaggression, uh, failure to thrive, resentment. So let's let's jump in, ladies. Tell me, tell me what comes to mind. You want to start, Weena? It was definitely a spirited piece. I tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it it comes in with this storytelling, and folks are sitting around and waiting for the punchline, and you hear all this laughter erupting, and it definitely resonated with me when you get with your family, and maybe you're at a gathering, like a, a holiday dinner or a picnic in the summer or a cookout. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, folks start to clamor around that magnetic person. And in this case, it seemed like it was Papa. Mm-hmm. And uh, he loved telling stories. And the minute he walked out of the, the room or he came out of the center of attention, it was you a could, totally different atmosphere. Right, yeah. You could yeah. feel <laughs> the atmosphere change very quickly. And um, I was very interested 
in how Whipple and Brother Deer ended up having that hard conversation. Mm-hmm. Very, very tough conversation. Um, and as I, I heard it, uh, Brother Deer was angry with Whipple for his life choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and maybe you can help here, Claudette, because he mentioned how old he was, but I didn't catch it. He he said um, the line is he says you're a 16 year old in a 26 year old body. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I thought I heard 16 and I thought, wait a minute, is he 16? No, he's saying that <laughs> emotionally, developmentally, he's 16, but he's a grown man. He's in a 26 year old body. And that's where that idea of arrested development comes in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where, you know, we see certain people who may still be living at home. They may not have found their career path. They may have been into some trouble with the law or they may be playing the field, sowing their royal oats in relationships, well past the point that other people may say, you should be firmly established and moving in a particular direction in life. Mm-hmm. And it seems that, that Brother Deer was really upset with, you know, just the fact that he was content in where he was. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you shouldn't be content because you should be further along. You should be in a better place. Um, And so, but Whipple was really um, expressive in saying that my life is okay the way it is. And Mm -hmm. it's not going to be perfect like yours. And so right there, it lets you know that their perspective of each other and their lives was uh, not true to what they thought about themselves. You know, you know, each one thought I'm good. I'm I'm doing the right thing. Um, But each one looked differently because of resentment, because of jealousy, because of, you know, so many emotions that may have derived from a child from childhood. And so here, where do we find out or discover this where this rivalry started? Like what stemmed it? What? Was there some level of favoritism that caused one to seem like they were better than the other or needed to even act like that? Like, where did all this come from? Yeah. And I don't know who the oldest child is, but it seemed like. It okay. sounds like Tammy, yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like Brother Deer was definitely older than Whipple. Maybe Whipple was the mm-hmm. youngest. Right. And so Brother Deer was playing his his role, being the older brother, saying, you know, you need to get it together. Mm-hmm. And he was taking on a lot of responsibility and and really coming down hard on the baby of the family. And it's so normal in, in family situations that the baby gets to do what babies do, mm-hmm. which is kind of grow, develop, watch everybody else do the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. And and other people who are doing the heavy lifting have something to say about it. Mm-hmm. Mm. But even um even in in uh Pammy, she, you know, said, I'm tired of always having to act like mommy. Mm-hmm. And so even in her, you know, being that older of the two, of the you know, of the three, you know, taking on this this space that, you know, mommy was gone from us at a young age. And so I had to take up this role and I had to come in and step in between you two. I have to let you know about yourself, Whipple, and let you know about yourself, brother. Because even though you think both of you think you're okay, you're not. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah. so her perspective was even at a at a higher level. Like I'm looking down on the two of you and this foolishness has to stop. Right. Right. And Whipple accuses Brother Deer of being embarrassed of him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and really yeah. not seeing him. Yeah. We yeah. were in the same high school for two years or we played on the same squad and mm-hmm. you didn't knew, right. acknowledge Nobody, yeah. me. And then he really sticks the knife in and twists it when he tells him, you know, I think that your lifestyle is fake. Mm. You're you're not a real person. You yeah. and your friends, you yeah. know, this this kind of straight laced white collar life that you're living, you know, it's not real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there were a lot of jabs being thrown. Absolutely. Yeah, there clearly is is a lot between um between these two brothers, because one of the things that um, he tells um, brother Deer tells him to to be a man, and he asks by whose whose terms, right? Whose terms. By whose standards, right? By whose standards? And and when he said it, I thought, okay, you know what? That's a good question because people tell us, you know, oh, act like a grown woman or be a man, and it's yeah, but by whose standards? Don't I get to define, you know, my my own standards? And I think that's what Whipple was saying to to brother dear is is am, am i supposed to be a man by by your definition or by papa's definition or by pammy's stuff def- whose definition am i supposed to be you know a, a man by mm-hmm. um and i think that was a, a a fair question for him to raise you know because it, like you you, you allude, alluded to in the in the story points to you know they they're together because you know they're thinking they're gonna have a nice evening in a storytelling so papa could see all of his children together and and this, that, and the other thing, and you, and one of the things Whipple says to him is, you purposely wait for both of them to leave the room, mm. yeah, before you say something, mm-hmm. right? And and from Whipple's perspective, I kind of felt like Whipple was saying, "This is what you do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. You you wait, you you. It's like you lie and wait before you attack, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that's the dynamic of, of of these these two brothers. This this very, um, it's almost like I think you're in the way. I think you're taking advantage. Um, why do you even care? You you've never paid any attention to me before, anyway. Right. So mm-hmm. why now, all of a sudden, am I you know all in your thoughts? Mm-hmm. It's right? so easy in a family like this for sibling rivalry to spring up right now we only have one parent's attention to compete for right who knows whether or not the trauma of losing mama was ever really addressed and and handled in a way that helped everybody feel like they could rely on each other and clinically we know that often depending on what time um, a parent is lost or trauma occurs Generally, males tend to internalize trauma and not process out. Mm-hmm. So they go inward. They got their own thoughts and feelings about how things are after mom is gone. And I found it curious that Papa didn't necessarily seem to be really privy to all of it or to the extent of which there was tension between the siblings. Mm-hmm. The siblings have their own microcosm that they're living in. Right. And then Papa comes in as the sun and they're the planets that rotate around him, but he's not necessarily really 
um, engaged in in helping them to to have unity and foster that loving relationship that Pammy is talking about. Right. We're supposed to love each other. Right. And I wonder yeah. if part of that is because Pammy swoops in. Right. Right. She she's because mm. you can kind of tell she she walked back in as they were arguing and she immediately, you know, kind of took took control. She put the brothers basically in timeout. She was like, listen, mm-hmm. kill each other later. Mm-hmm. But right now you got to be at peace. Yeah, right. Right. Right now we're going to do this for Papa. And that's probably what she's always done. Mm-hmm. You know, when whenever they got into something. And if Papa was anywhere nearby, she probably handled it mm-hmm. and shut it down as much as possible um, and forced them to kind of go to opposite corners and behave while Papa was present. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I think that that probably was not good for the two of them. Because she I think she also in doing that allowed the resentment that they have for each other to to fester as opposed to forcing them to get to a place where they could just really release what's really going on inside of both of them. Yeah. Right. Because Whipple clearly to me listening to it today, Whipple clearly feels um, some kind of way, not in a negative way, but in in a, in a different kind of way that he has a big brother that never acknowledged him that he feels was ashamed of him. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it, this dynamic is really um, indicative of how so many families are operating today. Like there's this, you know, one overarching sibling that feels like they have to be the parent in situations that there's one parent visible. And so Tammy, Pammy, um, continues to exhibit that behavior. And there almost seems like they're fighting for her approval because brother Dear says, I am always doing the right thing, you know? And so he wanted almost as if he wanted to appear to continue to exhibit the right thing and you're the wrong thing. And so in this role, Tammy's the mom, brother Dear's the, the dad, and little Whipple is just stuck out here um, just trying to make it because he has no, no mother, no father, you know, in his eyes, he's just like, I'm just surviving. I'm just making, I'm just doing a thing. I'm just living my life. I'm just trying to, mm-hmm. um, you know, grow and grow. And so he has this example of brother dear and Pammy that he has to keep looking at um, to mirror his life against. And it's not just, I, I didn't see that it was just brother dear that he was um, inferior to, but even the fact that there was no mother there. Yeah. So I don't have a shoulder to cry on or somebody to coddle me because even Tammy was like taking digs at him. Like you need to get it together. Mm, I like that you brought up that, that dynamic. I can always find myself in these stories. I'm the baby of four and my, my siblings are considerably older. The sibling closest to me is eight years older than me. And the next one Mm -hmm. is 13 years older than me. And the next one is 15. And I always felt like I had five parents. (laughs) (laughs) I always felt like I had a mom, a dad, two additional moms and another dad. Everybody (laughs) what to do, when to do it, you know, and, and if I was in any way lax, 
about something, um, there was always somebody to look up to, uh, you know, that's like, oh, I'm I'm lifting your weight or, yeah. you know, good Lord, when you're going to grow up. And, you know, it all depends on the temperament of the person who's in that sibling role, how they're mm-hmm. going to take that. And Whipple absolutely decided that he was going to take his time. He was going to do his thing mm-hmm. and he was unapologetic for it. And and that can go one of two ways. Some baby children are like, I get to be unapologetic. I have the luxury of coming last and learning from everybody's mistakes and making my own. Yes. You all took the weight on of being the first or the most responsible. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to play my role of being mm-hmm. the baby. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. But but I think that also speaks to, you know, you know, why do I even have to be responsible? What 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 do you want me to be responsible for? Mm-hmm. Right. What yeah. do you want me to be responsible for? Because you're telling me to get it together. But how do you want me to get it together? You're right. acknowledging the fact that I have an artistic talent, but you're not you're not stepping up to say, um, let me help you do this, that or the other thing. Yeah. Or whatever, whatever, you know, like I think Brother Deer tells him something about Tammy told him he had some kind of art opportunity and he decided not to do it. Not and he ran into somebody and, you know, um, she said he stopped doing the class and this, that and the other thing. But I think it's in the approach because to me, Brother Deer was, as as Selena likes to say, he was coming in a little hot. Yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> if, and and so I kind of felt well, because if you come in hot like that with me, if you come in accusing and you, you drop this and you drop that and you didn't do this and you didn't do that. I'm just basically, I'm standing my ground. Listen, you could be yeah. right. And right. in my head, I could be thinking, you know what? He's right. Yeah. But because you're coming at me like that, oh, I'm standing my ground. Mm-hmm. I'm, now, I'm digging in because you're not going, you're not going to bulldoze me like that. Right. 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 Yeah. Now, did I hear though, brother dear accused Whipple of needing to be bailed out? And by bailed out, did he mean yes. sometimes in and out of trouble yes. with the law yes. or just so, bailed out of a financial jam? What were we talking about? Bailed here? out in, in the, at the beginning of the play, when the play opens, what happens is, is, um, Whipple and Papa are walking into the home and they're in full argument because Papa literally had to go bail him out of jail. Oh, he okay. he had a domestic violence situation with his girlfriend. Oh, wow. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Now Whipple contends that it was accidental, but the but she still called the police, but she's not gonna press charges or whatever. So that so this was one of those episodes where Papa had to go bail him out again. Literally. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's not, and I don't, I don't think Papa necessarily bills Whipple out financially, but Pammy and brother dear thinks that he does. He, they, I think they think that he bails them out, whatever he gets into, if he decides he's not going to, to do something. Okay, fine. That's, that's fine. But you know, Hmm. what what you going to do now? What else are you going to do? Right. But in this particular case, yeah, he, he bailed him out in a legal sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in a legal see, sense. Yeah. But so you see, you know, the siblings jump into their parents' protection. And I, I know so many people who can relate to that, where siblings see one sibling seemingly taking advantage of yeah. the parent and they feel deputized to say something. Mm-hmm. Parent is getting older or you're using our parents' resources inappropriately 
we need to protect the parent because you're taking advantage of the situation. And so we got to stop this. You're eating too much food from the refrigerator. You're using too many utilities. Mm -hmm. You've outslept the couch. Now we need a new couch in the basement because you can't find a place to stay. You're doing too much. I love that. Outslept the couch, all of it. And so uh, in this regard, I can understand Brother Deer's frustration mm-hmm. and and the implications of being bailed out and some of the charges that he's he's potentially coming up on are very serious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somebody mm-hmm. has to ask the hard questions. Now, what answers you get, you know, that's that's left up to chance. But w- when are you going to do something that doesn't endanger your future is a valid question. Right. Right. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think I and even with with Papa, there's that little piece in there where they're talking about the guns and, and Ripple ask him something about the the pearl handle gun. And Papa says, yeah. And he asked him, you're not going to pawn it, are you? You know, and, oh, and Ripple, yeah. said, knows, Ripple yeah. says, you know, I know I know I've, I've you know, I've messed up before, but I wouldn't I wouldn't do that to you. I would never mm-hmm. do that to you. Right. And when he said it, it, it I, I took it two ways. It was kind of like, OK, now I wouldn't do it to you. But if it was somebody else and, and you know, that might be an opportunity. But the other part of it was Ripple was was to me in his own little way. He was kind of reassuring Papa that I that I whatever I've done, I would never do anything intentionally to hurt you mm-hmm. or to take from you. Right. So to me, that was a ripple acknowledging to some degree that he's fully aware that the fact, the way that he's living his life is problematic. Mm. Yeah. 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 And right. I, yeah. And admit, admitting that also uh, to me also exemplified him securing that favorative spot, that spot that he thinks that, you know, daddy's going to always be there for me. Um, and going back to looking at how he resented his brother, but even they resented him for having that space, for having that oh, yeah. always bailed out um, opportunity. Like, you know, you need to grow up because you always are being bailed out. And so here is- this So that's almost, little, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Renee, that's, that's almost mm-hmm. like you found a way to always get more attention than everybody yes, else. Than everybody ah. else, mm-hmm. yeah. And so in that baby spot, that youngest role, you know, he's, yes, he's acknowledging that I'm not, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to do anything because I don't want you to lose that favor towards me. I don't want you to, you know, turn away from me. I want you to continue to remain, to be there for me, daddy, um, in these spaces. And so um, just the fact that they don't allow daddy to see their rivalry is uh, very strategic you know, and so, so that they can stay in the light of daddy's eyes, each of them in their own right, like really stay in the light of daddy's eyes that I'm the one brother there. I'm the one that's doing the right thing. I'm the one that's successful. Um, Pammy being the one that's taking charge and helping to lead the family and, you know, holding the anchor and then, um, you know, Whipple just being the favorite. And that's all I need to be is daddy's favorite, you know? <laughs> and so they're being very strategic um, in, in honoring or holding up their their role and in, in the light that they see um, in, or the light that daddy sees in their eyes individually. 
Yeah. One of the things Pammy says to them when she walks in on them arguing that I thought it was, um, I was like, okay, that she, that was a very classic, you know, oldest child kind of move. She, you know, she, she hit Whipple. She was like, okay, you know what? You people keep, everybody keeps telling you to get it together. You don't want mm-hmm. to get it together. Fine. But stop causing problems. Right. But right. then she turns around and she says to, to, to brother dear, you know what? You want to keep telling him not, you know, to get it together. But half the time, you don't want anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. And the other half of the time, you don't want anything to do with Papa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what? So she's like, okay, so both of y'all got issues. And, and now what? Yeah. Right. But the thing that she says to him that I think Brother Dear like totally missed was when he's not causing problems, he takes care of Papa. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. Because brother there never even responded to that. He just went right to the next Mm -hmm. Mm day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tammy was definitely the more objective voice Mm -hmm. in in this story where she could see not only some of the shortcomings of both of her brothers, but she could also hold up their strengths as well. Mm -hmm. She came to to Whipple's defense in that moment. She wasn't going to let brother dear cut him down without giving him his just due for the things that he was doing well. And and that's a beautiful thing when a sibling can step in and be the intermediary in that way. Uh, Not that it's necessarily moved the needle for either of them this time, because as soon as the sun gravitated back toward the center of that circle, they went back to the storytelling. And Renee, you said something so pivotal, how they all jockeyed for position even in the the laughing and the storytelling and I think that it seemed like um, BD definitely relished being Mm -hmm. able to tell a lot of those stories or have the memories and laugh and joke with Papa Uh, and that's also a way that siblings sometimes get attention you know Mm -hmm. I was around for this and Mm -hmm. so I remember this and this was Mm -hmm. funny and you know yeah yeah it's just so, you know, just thinking about, you know, this story and, and bringing it into um, like today's family dynamics and, you know, wanting to to come to a place where you deal with these issues, where you sit down and you talk about um, where this level of resentment came, where um, this bitterness, like, you know, it, because we're not getting the, the whole story. We understand um, just from what you shared, um, Claudette, about the mom passing away. Um, but how did they actually, you know, process that and, and you know, deal with that through their lives? And, and did it cause, you know, some type of resentment towards Whipple because he was the last one? He was the one they may even think uh, you're the one that caused, you know, mommy to to pass away. And so there's so much more um, that, you know, family therapy would actually help them to kind of deal with all of these emotions and all of these things that they're, you know, even in joking, the the banter, mm-hmm. it, you know, the old saying says with every joke, there's some truth to it. Right. And so where, what is the truth that is not being said or, or that needs to be said in order mm-hmm. that for them to heal and to operate in a place where they are truly not only loving each other, but liking each other. But at, at the space that they are and understanding, you know, who they are mm-hmm. individually. And, you know, you know, it's like I said at the top, well, um, their mother dies 
um, shortly after giving birth to Ripple. Mm-hmm. So in in the in this family dynamic, Ripple, you know, was the only one that did not know the mother. Right. Right. Of the three kids, he 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 was that one. So, but it's very interesting because I think you hit on something, Renee, in situations like that when a when a mother, you know, dies in childbirth or soon after a new baby. Um, there is that that possibility that the the children who were there could feel yeah. like the the that newborn baby or that that child that last child um, created you know was was somehow responsible right or heavily involved in that that person dying and so they could if if I'm following you right they could mm-hmm. feel like that child took something treasured from yeah, them from them absolutely but also the child. Sure. Whipple's behavior, if we call it acting out with the, mm-hmm. you know, promiscuity and relationships and trouble with the law and all that uh, could also be a result of feeling guilty to some extent. Was was it me that mm-hmm. potentially robbed all of us of of our mom's life or, yeah. you know, dad's wife? And when that goes unsaid in a family these types of relationships happen that dissension mm-hmm. can grow like a weed because there's nobody there to help anybody process, process. how everybody is feeling mm-hmm. and and whether or not responsibility is being placed on any particular person's shoulders yeah so then it, it seems so it stands to reason that brother dear could kind of feel like ripple um had some degree of responsibility for them losing their mother mm-hmm. potentially and, and, and and that could lead to to resentment and him just kind of feeling like almost like Ripple just shouldn't be there. So if I don't acknowledge you, you don't exist. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. 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 Right. If I don't acknowledge you, you don't exist. But at, on the other side of that, you do exist in. You're embarrassing um, me. You're, right. You're embarrassing, <laughs> so. you're embarrassing me because Whipple said I was more concerned in high school of in getting laid than than being who you were being, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and so that was embarrassing the brother dear because clearly he he had d- determined what his standards were going to be and he was lining himself up to his standards and his brother wasn't lining himself up to his standards mm-hmm. but at the same time and you don't get the indication that brother dear ever sought to have any kind of relationship with ripple where he could nurture or teach his brother to have different standards yeah he was he was showing up and setting the example without being the example like i'm showing you but i'm not um, nurturing you in a sense of exposing you to why why I am being the way that I'm being because I'm actually angry at you. I'm actually there's actually some something that I feel against you because you were that last child because you were the one that took mommy away and so I'm just going to continue to to show up as the you know the the best son the best man you know I'm the best man. And I'm going to show you that, but I don't want any dealings with you. And see, this that's where the disconnect comes, because in that space, he could have been a viable um, example for him um, by just loving and learning to like him, um, by taking time out and saying, this is what, hey, little brother, this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it. And, and there's so much that could have been gained from that. But instead, he dealt with him with a long arm and said, you know what? Yeah. 
I, I don't want you to be a part of it, but just see my strides, see how good I am, you know, see, see how I'm showing up as a, as a, the perfect man and you're not. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the things that, and it's so funny because you just you that whole love like thing. One of the thing Pammy told them a couple of times is your brothers, you have to love each other. Yeah. Liking yeah. each other is a totally Those different, different animal. Thing, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but you got to love each other. So when she said it the second time, I thought, okay, you know what? Pammy doesn't think these two really even love each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I thought, okay, you know what? That's that's possible. That's you got two brothers, you know, um, where one, like Renee said, it's just angry. I'm just angry with you. The the mere the, the mere mention of your name, the the mere presence of you near me, you know, knowing that your your name is, is on the family tree just angers me. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm just I'm just angry. Mm-hmm. And so because that's his posture, then you've got the other brother that's just like, okay, so he's showing up today. That means I've got to be on. I got to be on a different stage today. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Well, that's I'm, what I like so much about this work that so many people can relate to this, mm-hmm. that, you know, we we get assigned to a family. We don't get to choose who our family members are and like and love are two very different things. And you do have siblings who have such different temperaments that they're like oil and water. Mm-hmm. And if you don't intervene, uh, they can grow apart like this and come mm-hmm. together and, and put on a, a mask when they're in company good company of other people. And as soon as other people turn their backs, you see some of the hate and the vitriol that comes out. Mm. And sometimes those relationships will never be repaired. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have the right intervention, this could absolutely play out. Yeah. And I also think about the part that Papa played in causing um, just the rivalry and the disconnect between the siblings, because, you know, just imagine, you know, him being now the lead of the family. There's no no mommy anymore. And so he put the pressure on Tammy to be the mother, to be, you know, all the things that she she st- showed up being, you know, I'm in charge. I'm the I'm the peacemaker. I'm the dictator. I'm all of these roles. And then maybe him placing the same um capacity on brother dear and saying you're the big brother you do you're the example you do this you do that you know and and giving him that directive and that lead and so whipple was left with well i'm what's left i'm the one that gets coddled i'm the one that gets you know the little extra attention and so i'm the one that don't have to do as much and so in his in the best possibility of being the best father that he could he actually played a part in the disconnect between his his children yeah. Yeah. I mean, even turning the blind eye, mm-hmm. um, just not engaging Yes, to the extent that, that he would even dare to ask, are you okay with right. each other? Right. 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 <laughs> and, and if yeah. not, how can I help? Mm-hmm. 
right? Because as the father, he's not stupid or blind. He can right. see that the, the baby is getting into trouble. Mm-hmm. He just came from bailing him out. And he can see that each of his children have different temperaments and he gets to decide what he's going to do with that. Some parents choose to engage and some decide that they don't have the tools to engage mm-hmm. and they go into the fairy tale of storytelling. And I just yep. want to spend time with you all yep. and have a harmonious yep. cookout or for my birthday, can we just come together and have a peaceful dinner? And if parents don't step in and facilitate for young people that safe space for them to talk, then who will? Yeah, mm. that is so yeah. true. And I think Papa kind of, I think Papa knows who, you know, he may not know how deep it is, but I think he knows that there is um, some discord, some disconnect, because when he comes back in the, the first thing that he says he doesn't say what's going on he says what's going on now right right which indicates he that's not the first time he's walked in on something or he's had an, an inkling of something right but what happens is rather than him like you're saying we you know rather than him pushing forward in the conversation he just kind of allows them to say oh nothing you know nothing mm-hmm. yep and and move to the next thing, right? And 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 when when Pammy, when Papa asked Pammy earlier, you know, in the piece, um, did she want to play cards with them? And she said, No, um, I'll watch besides be, because you guys cheat. You know, <laughs> Papa change Papa changes <laughs> yeah. the rules, right. and this one does that, and this one does that. And so what that says to me, based on what you guys are saying, is that it's very clear. To, to Pammy in the family dynamic that each of them gets to 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 set their own rules and whatever they're doing mm. um and they and everybody else just kind of flows or they make a decision to step outside of it like Pammy did yeah but the mm-hmm. the challenge with that is what you were saying um Wena is that that's fine and they're fine with that as long as Papa remains in the center mm-hmm. correct mm-hmm. the moment he's out of the center, physically all of that that you know it kind of just folds in yeah and so here is so much that can happen in that space like they are just surviving as a family they're just keeping it you know keeping it civil you know as a family um but imagine you know when papa goes home when he when he's gone when he's no longer part of the picture um what wedge it could really remain between oh, yeah. them like that's the the travesty and really healing communication needs to take place and having that time where papa can say talk to me tell me about what's going on and it be maybe a uniform conversation not just something where he deals with one child into each person individually but coming together because papa's not going to always be here and so Let's let's love one another. You know, the most beautiful thing for parents to be able to see is their children getting along and helping each other and being there for each other when they're not looking. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you're not looking, when I'm not mm-hmm. apart, when I'm not mm-hmm. in the middle of it mm-hmm. all. And so how do I secure that now so that because we know we can't last always, you know, we we sooner or later we're all going home. And so in that, how do I bring that? love and that like back to the family so that you guys can be there when I'm not. 
I mean, and and those are terrific questions. So I I, I put them out there for some answers. How do how do we yeah. do that? Right, <laughs> right. How do how do we how do we do that? Because you know we we do we have you know we have family reunions and we have mm. this that and the other thing. Oh, we nice. have the dinners. We have the barbecues, and you know we share all of the stories and all of that kind of stuff. But then, how do you get to the real conversations? How do you get to the dynamics, to those really deep soul level dynamics of what's showing up when nobody's looking. Yeah. It's somebody right? has to make yeah. a decision. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Or or when, you know, when the when the light in the center is is not in the room or is no longer here, then you know what happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think so often in in um caregiving situations and I'm hearing this a lot in different caregiving circles that that I'm moving is is that you see a lot of that dynamic when they're where you're you're hearing a lot of people say you know we probably should have had these conversations Mm -hmm. and these talks before mom or dad or grandma got to this point oh yeah absolutely right and I think that's what Renee is 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 saying We, we have to start having some some deeper conversations because we all know we we see, you know, we see people for for who they are, um, in in our families. We we see we see their personalities, we see their temperaments, right? We see their their behaviors, um, but in all of that, we we don't necessarily have a conversation about where that stuff comes from yeah. and how we can heal from that stuff. And that's what you guys are saying we need to do, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yes. I think engaging in, you know, uh, family therapy, coming to a place where, you know, somebody has to decide that we want things to be better or different or um, just be in a place where we can be able to just, you know, come uh, come with each other and enjoy each other and don't feel as like as though, you know, when when mommy or daddy is gone, that everything is gone that all of the secrets are gone. All of the truths about life are gone, everything. And so now we're stuck just surviving or figuring it out on our own. But if we've had that those difficult conversations where um, daddy's sharing, you know, maybe the emotional roller coaster he went through and losing his wife and, you know, all he had to give, he may have given just the very best of who he was. And that's all he knew because He's trying to survive. He's trying to keep his children safe and healthy. And, and so I can't give you all the other things. But if no one has those conversations, if we don't expose those things, then they can become cancer in the relationships. Great observation. And know that family therapy is about the subgroups as much as it's about the whole. Yes. So we see two people at a time even if there are five people in the room, Mm -hmm. you don't always have to come together as a whole for us to do the work because we understand that in every, every family, you've got these separate relationships Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. all of them might need some work. So you get to have that private space where you can do that one-on-one work with the person that you may have the bone to pick with. And it doesn't always have to be in the presence of everybody else when it's happening. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Because, you know, even though that one individual that may find themselves to be like a Whipple, the black sheep, 
Like, let's let's start with the black sheep, like just dealing with his feelings, his emotions, the things that he's going through. Right. Um, why he feels that way towards his others and and just his alienation and helping him to heal in his space. So then when he comes, when we come together, it can be a more um, you know, cohesive conversation because now I've dealt with the me of the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the you know the three children is is a very interesting kind of dynamic because here you have you know when you when we look at it from the perspective of their mom dying here we have you know Pammy who was the oldest child so she was the one that had been with the mom the longest so she had the mom and the dad dynamic the longest mm-hmm. and then comes brother dear but Pammy seems to have adjusted to having a younger sibling much easier than brother dear did. But at the same time, by the time Brother Deer became an older sibling, he became an older sibling. He also became one of three children who now didn't have a mom. Mm. Right. So he not only he not only then entered that whole posture of being a big brother, you know, um, of, of now being an older child and a big brother, but to being a big brother to someone that took his mom away. Mm. In, right. in his th- in his thought process, right, and then you have Whipple, who probably has realized and listening to years and years of these family stories that I'm the one in this family that doesn't know the woman you all keep talking about because I'm mm-hmm. sure, and part yeah. of the storytelling, there's been stories about their mom, right? Yes. And so that's part of the the healing work that you ladies are talking about. But that has to be, you know, it, it's it's it has to be the conversation so that you don't continue to go years mm-hmm. with your with your brother not acknowledging you until he wants to, you know, lash out at you, and then you standing your ground and not wanting to have a conversation with him except to jab him because he's jabbing you. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like how many how long can we really just jab at each other? Mm. you know um so heading to closing ladies let's talk about this 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 family dynamic um and you know you find yourself in a situation where you are um before we go there one of the you know going back to the caregiving piece i i I wondered in listening to this because again i listened to what Pammy said about the fact that when he's not giving him trouble, he takes care of Papa. Yeah. Right. So I'm wondering if part of part of Whipple's thing um, is that, okay, you know, I'm 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 all good because whatever you think I'm taking, it's 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 wonderful and it's beautiful because I'm basically kind of in a kind of sort of caregiving role. So, Mm -hmm. you know. Not to say that Papa, you know, just because you're taking care of Papa, he should keep you bailing you out. Because at some point, I'll probably tell you to listen. No, you know, no, we're not doing that. Yeah, I think the broader theme around that is is judgment and not to judge a book by its cover. Yeah, both Whipple and Brother Deer have a perception of each other, but they have limited information Mm -hmm. that they're basing that perception on. Brother Deer isn't around enough to know what Whipple is doing or not doing. He only gets the highlights and the lowlights. Mm-hmm. So every time he looks up from what he's doing in his own life, he sees that Whipple is getting in trouble and needs a bailout. Mm-hmm. And Whipple has decided that whatever Brother Deer is doing in his life is so fake and phony and Brother Deer is so uninvested in him that he doesn't really know. 
some of the softer or better parts of his older brother. Yeah. So if there's anything to take away from this, it's to be careful about the sweeping judgments that we make about people. You got to get in there and you got to invest before you make a a statement like that or you, you know, share an opinion about how someone is living their life and and in a way that's not conducive to the, the whole because Whipple's making his contribution and dad hasn't said anything about it. He went down there to get him. He had free will. Nobody put a gun to his head, right? Mm-hmm. So when Brother Deer steps in and, and advocates that he's being taken advantage of, that's a moment where he has to step back and assess, well, wait a minute, I'm the child, not the parent. So if the mm-hmm. parent is okay with it, then why do I have such a problem with it? Right, right. Yeah. It, 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 you know, it, it's a, it's a lot to take in, um, but that's, that's a good point, it, you know, and we do, you know, I think you're right. We you know we have to look at the, the whole, the totality, mm-hmm. right? And the only way that we can do that is if we're invested and if we're having conversations and if we're checking on each other, we know mm-hmm. if we yeah. know what each other has going on because we're having conversations with each other and not because somebody that knows us stopped us and said, oh, you know, such and such and such, mm-hmm. right? Or because another member in the family said, oh yeah, he's good, but such and such and such, right? Mm-hmm. What well, You know, we have to make an investment into knowing what's going on with each other so we don't make the sweeping judgment right right and and we have to understand that if 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 a parent has the capacity to make the decision to do x y or z for any particular child then we have to step back and say okay you know what that maybe that's not my lane that's mm-hmm. right that's right maybe yeah. that's not my lane and maybe I should let papa maybe I should let big mama or mama or auntie operate in that lane mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Good stuff. So as we head to a close, ladies, any other any other thoughts? What other things kind of came to mind for you or um, what kind of wisdom would you share with somebody that that binds themselves in this kind of dynamic? And I, and I definitely want you guys to touch on that piece of, um, uh, uh, you know, potentially being in a place where the mother is no longer there with that you know, with that younger child and you facing that she's not there and that feeling of resentment or anger or you took something from me. I think one of the things that I would I would say or or bring to the forefront in this is that you have to be true to yourself. And so really understanding you, understanding how you processed um all that you've experienced in the loss of your mother and you know, maybe being the the child that's not favored, maybe being, you know, just going into looking at each situation. Um, And even when you come together and your sisters and brothers say certain things about you, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, but taking that as a part of an assessment, like, let me go back and see where this is coming from, why they think that what's going on in me that may cause or trigger some things in them. And doing that on your own soul searching, going to a counselor mm-hmm. and, and sitting with them and trying to process some of these feelings that you may have suppressed, some of these um, feelings that may have come out in a negative way that may not have been your intention. And so there's a lot yeah. of, of soul searching and digging and processing that one needs to go through in this place where the dynamic of our family changed because of tragedy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's where it started. Like all of this stemmed from something. Papa only did the best that Papa could do. And so how do how do I become a viable part of this family that can give love, show love and ex- experience love? And so mm-hmm. sitting in all of that and kind, kind of understanding where I need to go from here, because I don't want to be ostracized in any way because of the, my success, because of my lack of success, because of me being the the, the power in the family. For whatever mm-hmm. reason, I don't want to be that one, but I want to be part of a family that can see me, mm-hmm. see me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's good. And before you say that to me, one of the, that came to mind while you were talking, Renee, is, you know, as, as you're doing that, that work, you're, you know, you're speaking with, with professionals or you're speaking with someone um, about doing the work and, and is that you have to, re- I think we have to all realize that is never too late to mourn or grieve. No. no yes. That's so true. Right. So true. Right. So it, we can't allow somebody to say, oh, Dude, that was that was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, that was 10 years ago. It's you I think that's part of our our healing process. You have to go back and realize I never did it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I never, I think I sort of cried about it, but I don't really think I ever grieved. Because mm-hmm. life says you you pick up and you move on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, that's a good segue into my thoughts. You know, family dynamics can be so trying that sometimes you just give all the way up. Mm. But Mm. the other side of that coin is that family relationships are also enduring. Yes. You got nothing but time to work on it. And that doesn't mean shuffle your feet and wait until the last minute to work on it. But it means that whenever you start, start. Mm-hmm. And That's in right. a situation like this, communication is so critical. Mm-hmm. This family has lacked good communication. Mm-hmm. They're saying a lot of words with these stories, but the things that need to be said, the feelings that need to be expressed, the thoughts that need to be shared are not being shared. Mm-hmm. And so learning how to communicate properly and openly one building block at a time is going to be critical for this family to actually find their way back to each other in a way that really matters. Because right yeah. now, what they've got is a lot of smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, lady. Smoke and mirrors. That's really good. Thank you so much for um, diving into remembering Papa. Uh, with us, uh, let's remind everyone how they can get in touch with you, Renee. Yes, you can get in touch with me through meditationalmoment.com. And there you can link into the academy that I have and connect with me as a counselor, as a life coach, as a meditational mindfulness specialist that can help you to just bring forth God alignment. And on all social media forms, you can reach me at Meditational Moment. I love it. And you can reach me, Weena Wise, at covenanttherapy.com or on social media platforms. You can look for Covenant Counseling Group. Thank you so much, ladies. Our last episode of the season is next week. And it's a short piece, but I think it's a piece that, um, um, like Weena said, people can relate to it. It's that moment, um, a, a very brief but a powerful conversation between a mother and a daughter as the daughter prepares to graduate from high school. So 
we will dive into that one um, next time around. Thank you so much, ladies. I'll see you next time. All right. See ya. You've written the book and the book has been published. Now what? Beyond marketing, promoting, and sales, what are the possibilities beyond the book? Is it a podcast, an online course, a virtual event, a product line, a script for film or theater? What can you create beyond the book? That's where Picantry Creative Solutions comes in. We will dive into the development lab with you to create the next great move ideal for you. Ideal based on your book. An ideal for reaching a diverse and varying audience. Reach out to Pecantry Creative Solutions today at www.pecanstreetbooks.com. More magic happens beyond the book. Broken, fragmented, searching for wholeness, does that sound like you? Could guided meditation, online self-paced and live courses help you become unstuck and get onto a steady and consistently forward-moving path? Renee Oderick, founder of Meditational Moment Academy, is poised to assist you in strengthening and revitalizing your mental health through teaching, mentoring, life coaching, and counseling. Discover more at meditationalmoment.com or connect on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for at Meditational Moment. Let your journey to wholeness begin today. Thoughts, comments, and observations by the host, coaches, counselors, and therapists are not to be construed as personal advice or direction. Thanks for listening to another creatively powerful and engaging episode of The Griot's Remedy. Be sure to tune in next week for new insight and discussion that gives you some things to consider as you take a look in your proverbial mirror. The Griot's Remedy, where fiction mirrors real life and everything is up for discussion. Your host is E. Claudette Freeman. Connect with her at www.eclaudetteliterary.com. For the Griot's Remedy episode, cast, panel, advertising, or resource information, email us at bookloudly at pecantrybooks.com or find us at www.pecantrybooks.com. 